0: John Moran, at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told. Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge next game. All
1: right, everyone. Welcome in to the next episode of the Next Gen Podcast. For the first time ever, we are on Twitter Spaces. Uh, trying this for the first time today should be really cool. Uh, our guest is really doesn't need any introduction. If you've been in the Grizzlies Twitter Spaces before, we got the one and only the Santi Aldama Truther, as I call her, because she was the first person that told me Santi Aldama was going to be good. Uh, young Harriet, how are you doing today, Harriet?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, Bryson. Uh, Hey, everybody. We back at it again.
1: Yeah. So a a big thing that obviously the first game is tomorrow. So just to start out with kind of the stuff we saw in the preseason, I I wanted to ask you, uh, based on what you saw in the preseason, and then I'll give my answer too, uh, what was the biggest – Positive you saw from the preseason, whether it's a player or whether it's something that they did as a team?
2: The biggest positive that I took away, I would have to say, of course, Santi Aldama's continued development and his ability to rebound. One of the unique things that I liked about the team as a whole is they've seen to, with the exception of Stephen Adams, let me say that, they've seen to. Uh, put together a collection of guys that can get the ball off the backboard and go, and I think that's only going to serve their offense really well when it comes to fast break points and things of that nature, helping them to fortify some of the shortcomings they may have within their uh, um, half-court offense, so I like that very much.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, Santi Domo is a big part of that, because I think the one thing that he does do better than Jaron is rebound. So I think that's something that we'll see throughout the beginning of the season uh, because it's, it's it's a lot to try to actually replace what Jaron brings. Obviously, we're not sure when he's going to be back, but it seems like it's not going to be too long. Uh, but that's one thing that I think is big is how good of a rebounder he is. And I feel like he's a pretty good like outlet passer, and he runs the floor really well too. Uh, another thing that I think is going to help the transition offense though, and I think is the biggest thing, that I took away, is I think it's got to be how much Desmond Bain has grown. I've, his his dribble, he, he can't dribble as well as maybe you want him to, but it's when you look back at his rookie year to now, how his rookie year, it was all of him just coming off the screens and uh, him catching shoot threes, that was all he did. And then last year, you saw him attack and transition a little bit more and then this year, it seems like we're going to see him do a lot more that we haven't seen him do in the past, where he's added the floater to his game, which I know that you're a big proponent of that, too. I've heard you talking about that a lot. Uh, adding the floater to his game, attacking more in transition, attacking more closeouts, which I think is going to help him increase his scoring average. I could see, I still think we could see Desmond Bain over 20 points per game this year, and maybe even a questionable. There's a there could be a question if he can make the all-star game. I'm not sure if he'll make it this year, but he's I think he, he has a chance. He has a chance to be in the conversation. If if he doesn't make it, I think it's very well if he doesn't make it when they do it on NBA on TNT, they're gonna have him as one of the people where it's like he was snubbed, maybe. I I, I that's that's how I feel his season going.
2: I think initially with the absence of Jaron, I think he's gonna have to make a concerted effort to be that other 20-point scorer that the team can rely upon. And I I feel like that he can account for uh, more offense than just points. One of the unique things, and I think the most underrated things about uh, Desmond Baines' game is his ability to pass out of the pick and roll. You know, he has shown the ability to be able to uh, – run the offense especially from behind the three point line. And one of the one of the unique things that I like about him in terms of the offense, especially when you're talking about pace of play, he's using the dribble not necessarily for dribble moves, but in the pace in which he dribbles like he has added two things to his to his game that I've noticed during the preseason and he's practiced it during these preseason games. He's added that speed dribble where he just dogs it down and he stops, you know, a little two feet behind the three point line. And he's been working on that pickup dribble to actually, you know, jump up into the shot. So I think that that in itself, if he can perfect that speed dribble to the top of the three point line, I think that's that's cash money for him. That he's all day, and also the way he utilizes that he does this little push, push forward dribble, which allows him to uh, run behind the ball, sort of like a halfback with a uh, fullback in front of him. That's that's what it looks like to me. And if he's going downhill and he has a dribble, he has to, he has an opportunity to utilize the uh, euro step when he's finishing. So just being a little bit more creative with the dribble in that way instead of, you know, utilizing, you know, traditional dribble moves, that's something that's been a nice development within this game from my standpoint, from my point of view.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of that in preseason. Uh, and then kind of switching to the other side, if there is anything before the first game against the Knicks uh, that you think that they need to focus on going into this game, either because of the matchup, or just in general, uh, based on what you saw in preseason, what's the one thing that you think they're going to need to improve on the most, uh, especially just at the beginning of the season and in the first game?
2: One of the things that I think continue to uh, hurt the Grizzlies is their uh, three-point defense. I think they're going to have to improve that, you know, playing against the Knicks and also their point of attack defense, meaning are they going to be able to keep, Jalen Bronson in front of them. Are they going to be able to keep Derrick Rose in front of them? when During the matchups with Jalen Bronson when he was playing for the Dallas Mavericks, that's one of the ways he continuously broke down uh, the Grizzlies, you know, in those particular matchups. Derrick Rose, the same thing. When he was able to get in, sub into the game when as the Nick. He uh, subsequently uh, broke down the point of attack defense, so it's going to be really important to see the continued maturation of Jaws' defense as well as uh, Tice's defense for the second year. I think you know defense. You know I was saying defense wins championships. Offensive tickets, defense wins championships, and I think you know that goes. That's the same for the grizzlies, so i don't I don't think uh you know we should look at it any different or at least i don't
1: yeah i it I, it definitely starts on the defensive end, and I think that through the preseason games that's one thing that uh I feel like in a couple of those games, there's just a lot of defensive breakdowns, like the one that I point to would be the game against the heat, where i felt I think they shot like fifty six threes and I feel like most of them were open, so I think that's a really good point talking about their three point defense. Uh, and I, I think the Knicks will probably shoot a lot of threes this year. I mean, we'll see what happens with how Jalen Brunson kind of integrates into their offense this year, uh, which I think that's going to be interesting to see in the first game. I think, uh, like, from on the Knicks side of it, I think the number one thing I'm going to be looking at is how is Jalen Brunson going to look, but also how can the Grizzlies kind of stop Julius Randle? Because Julius Randle last year when the Grizzlies played him uh, in Memphis – I don't know exactly what his stat line was, but I remember that he he basically won them that game. Uh, and, it, I'll, and I'll remember that one.
2: It was like his stat line was something close to 27 and 12. And that is the one concern that I have in this entire matchup is can Santiago Dama stand up to the physicality of Julius Randle? Uh, Tom Thibodeau... Uh, made a concerted effort to give Julius Randle the ball at the top of the key, extended. You know him coming downhill, him, forcing him to his right because he, you know he's a predominant left hand player. Is is Sunday going to have be smart enough, the basketball IQ to know this is who who his opponent opponent is. This is who he likes. This is what he likes to do. Excuse me, and can I stand up to? his physicality because it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park playing a guy. And Julius Randle looks like he outweighs um, Santi about 30, 40 pounds or so.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for is that matchup, that one-on-one matchup. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I think the thing that's good on the Grizzly side is I feel like, well, there's not a lot of teams that have guys that can guard Ja but they don't have, like, one of those really great defenders. I mean, I guess we might see R.J. Barrett guard him a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that, which that would be a little bit tougher for him. Uh, but I, I like that matchup as well.
2: I've I've been in some Knicks faces, and I believe that's what the Knicks fans want because they want R.J. to prove that he is just as good as Ja, and he, he deserves the same recognition as Ja, seen as that that. They did come out in the same uh rookie class. So I, I wouldn't doubt that uh RJ is guarding Ja at some point.
1: Yeah, so I think those I think that's the two matchups. Well, I think the Ja and RJ matchup is probably more of a thing that they'll look at nationally. Uh, which that that'll be something that they'll talk about because obviously that was a big thing a lot of people forget. I mean, I feel like in Grizzly Circles, everybody kind of knew that they were gonna take Ja but outside of Grizzlies, people that followed the Grizzlies or people that were covering the Grizzlies, there was a lot of conversation on whether or not R.J. Barrett was going to be that second overall pick because it felt like until Ja kind of came onto the scene like later in the college season and really like solidified himself as a great player, I feel like a lot of people would have said R.J. Barrett would have gone second that year. I definitely think that he can have like, I feel like he can have a good... Like, he's not a great defender, but he's big enough and he's long enough to maybe give Ja some trouble. But I still think that he's not going to be able to stop the opening night Ja Morant, which I saw a stat earlier today that Ja averages the most points on opening night out of anybody that's active in the NBA right now. So I'm expecting a big game. Uh, It's at home, kind of like last year against the Cavs where he kind of just came out and took over from the opening tip. So I'm kind of expecting a game like that. And then just him and Bane, because they've looked the most ready out of everybody. I think those two are going to have to carry the Grizzlies through a lot of games this year. And I think they're going to start that in game one.
2: I fully expect fourth quarter Ja to make a return this year, uh, especially during the first you know, 10 or 11 games or so. Out of necessity, you don't have Jaron Jackson there to uh, be the stalwart on defense that we're used to. You you are not sure what you're going to get out of uh, Dylan Brooks on a nightly basis. Yeah, I said it, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Ja and Vane do what I believe they're going to do this year. And that's become one of the top five uh, backcourts in uh, the league.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so the the other question I I was gonna ask you just to stick to the Knicks side of it as well. So what do you think about them adding Jalen Brunson? And then what do you what do the Grizzlies need to do to maybe slow him down? Because I know you said that uh, he has given the Grizzlies trouble in the past, back when he was on the Mavericks. I think the
2: Knicks. I think the Knicks um, were so thirsty for a point guard. That the first point guard that showed them any interest, that we're going to go after him. Is he a good player? Yes, he is. But we all know expectations change when you change lo- locations. Uh, when you're not playing again, playing with Luca, who is the best player under the age of 25 in the NBA, things are going to be different. When your name, you know, is at the top of the scouting report instead of second or third. Things are going to be different. Uh, Defenses are going to key upon, uh, you know, Jalen Brunson. And again, if Jabarant can show the same amount of defensive effort that he's shown in these preseason games, I think the Grizzlies will be fine. He needs to be serviceable. That's all he needs to be. Can he stay in front of his man? Can he be disruptive? In those passing lanes, he absolutely has the athleticism to do so. And uh, Jalen Bronson, you know, he's just the first of many who's gonna find out about addition. And my, you know, I think he's gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that that's a big thing that everybody talks about with Ja is can he get better at defense and can he get better as a shooter. So I think that we're gonna see at least the uh, first part of that this year uh, in this game. And it's going to be a good test for him to see him on the defensive end. Uh, And then one last question before we kind of open it up to everybody else uh, to get in and ask some questions, too. Uh, A lot of people have been wondering about David Roddy and Jake Laravia, because those are the two rookies that are going to get the most playing time. I think everybody knows that if you had to pick one of them to get more minutes on opening night, who would it be and why? I'm
2: going with, um, in the words of uh, Nicole, I'm going with Big Body Roddy. David Roddy seems to have uh, gotten himself in shape, number one. Uh, The game has slowed down for him a little bit more than Jake LaRabia, in my opinion. He has shown to be able to consistently produce offense, both from the three-point line and some in the post. And his ability to make decisions in a calm manner. I think uh, for Jake LaRavia, the game is still a little bit too fast. Uh, and he, you know, even though he is a number 19th pick, I think it's still gonna take him a little bit of time to figure out where his game actually fits in within the function of the Grizzlies offense. I just think uh, Mr. Roddy is a little bit more NBA ready and ready to contribute uh, to what the Grizzlies need
1: for right now, at least. Yeah, and it's not to say that either, that Jake Laravia won't get minutes either, because I think he, he might get some minutes still. Uh, I'd I expect to see both of them for at least some stretches in the first game. Uh, but I have to agree that I'd go with Roddy so far, just because I feel like he has shown you a little bit more offensively. I feel like Jake has gotten open looks, but he hasn't really been able to knock them down a ton. And he has been – he was hesitant to shoot the ball. At least in summer league, he was very hesitant to shoot the ball. And then kind of in the first couple of preseason games, he was as well. And I don't think it's not that he can't shoot or that he can't play. I i think that he has a chance to be a really good rotation player. Uh, I just don't know if he has – if he's ready to be that player tomorrow. And I think Roddy is more ready to do that tomorrow. Now, if we look back in two or three years – it might be a different question once he gets some more experience. But for now, I think I'd have to go with Roddy as well.
2: I don't think he is at this point. I think what we can hope as fans and those of, those media who cover the the Grizzlies, I think all we can hope is that he plays with energy and effort and that he stacks good games on top of each other. Like I said in the previous space, we as Grizzlies fans have become spoiled by and Red Desmond Bain, even Jaron Jackson to a certain extent. All of those guys came in and they contributed right away. But we also have to realize there is a learning curve that occurs with any new job, not just the NBA, any new job. And Jake LaRavia, he he is not, you know, he has to learn just like everybody else. He has to understand, you know, where he's going to fit in in this offense, You know, how he can contribute other than scoring, especially if his uh, shot is not falling at this particular time. And also, the kid has some dog in him. You know, it might not be South Memphis dog right now, but, you know, he has some ability to contribute with his rebounding, with his effort, with his activity, especially in the steals department. I forget which – preseason game it was, but Jake Laravia went up and he took the ball out of uh, I believe it was one of the Miami Heat players' hands. That type of energy and effort is always welcome, I know, in the
1: grindhouse, Definitely. Definitely. And I, I, that's that's his biggest, I think that's his biggest plus that I've seen is the things he does outside of scoring. Uh, and I think he saw a little bit of that in summer league as well and in the preseason games that he's played in. And it's like he'll always have a, a steal or two and a block or two in every game if you throw him out there, I feel like. And then he also had a couple just like kind of surprising plays that you didn't really expect from him. Like I, he has he's had a couple really nice and ones. He had that nice dunk in the first preseason game. And, and, that, and that, that fourth quarter in the first preseason game was when I knew, I was like, okay, even if he's not ready now, he has the potential there. Because the way that he closed that preseason game in Milwaukee uh, when they were down by, I think, they were down by double digits, I know, going into that fourth quarter. And he had not been playing great, especially on the offensive end. And the way that he closed that game, it just it's just like a, the Grizzlies have not only a type of guy they get in terms of their stats, but a type of guy they get in terms of mentality. And I think that he's going to fit into that part as well as Roddy. I think both of them are going to fit into that pretty well. And I think they're both and they get guys to fit into the culture that they've built uh with Ja and Jaron and Bane and Dylan and all of those guys that have been there for years. And I think that's that's a big thing is but all the rookies I think are gonna fit into that culture pretty well. But uh so we got a lot of people down here listening. If y'all wanna come up and ask any questions either about the season or about the first game, uh you guys can go ahead and request. All right, Brandon. Brandon, welcome to the podcast, man. What's your question? Uh, yeah, what's up? Um, uh, appreciate you guys um, setting this up. Always love hearing y'all's perspectives. Um, so, sort a of really quick question about Santi. Um, you know, we know he's starting. We know he is taking over that starting power forward spot for Jaron. a um, until he returns. But I'm really interested in y'all's thoughts on when Jaron comes back. Um, what's really going to be his role? Um, like coming off the bench? Um, what, what's, what role is Hugh really going to play like long term for this team? Uh, once we have everybody healthy, and um, you know, uh, on the same same side of the coin, who might whose minutes might suffer um, from Santi, you know, going back to the bench role um, in that rotation. Just wanted to hear you alls thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I I'll, I can go first. I'll say, I'm, I mean, he's he's gonna come off the bench definitely because Jaron's gonna be the starter when he gets back. Uh, and I know we just talked about Roddy and Laravia, but I feel like that that could be possibly where some minutes like either if both of them are playing maybe whoever's looked the best to that point is going to get is just going to take over most of those minutes and kind of slide Santi into that backup four role and it's going to be kind of him and BC doing that at times Uh, but I think both of them will probably play a good amount of minutes Uh, but I would say either Roddy or Laravia just because they're the younger guys and uh I think Santi probably gives you a little bit more than them right now, which is why he's starting with Jaronel. With uh so I would say that's probably where it goes. Uh and then it, it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle it because BC has been really good as the backup four. And I don't think they're gonna, you know, take him out of the lineup or anything, but they might see what kind of lineups they're gonna do with him and maybe and probably play him at center as well. So that that'll be interesting to see what they do with all of that.
2: I'm going to kind of agree with you on whose minutes might suffer, Uh, depending on who's playing better at the time. It's either going to be LaRavia or Roddy. But there is one interesting development that has happened. Um, Zaire Williams and uh, Santi, they enjoy playing together. Both of them can be secondary creators on uh, the second unit. And Santi's vision and the way that he plays basketball, and I know there have been many Spanish-born players, well, a couple of Spanish-born players to play for the Grizzlies, and they always seem to play the right way. Shout out uh, Beach Bay. But his versatility from three through five, I think that's going to benefit the Grizzlies, especially their second unit. And he does have the ability two-score put-up buckets. It's going to be interesting to see how who Taylor Jenkins staggers his minutes with because he seems to be a better player once he has the ball in his hand. So if he staggers his minutes with job versus, you know, Tyus more. So it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize him once Jaron comes back because we all know once Jaron comes back. You know, he adds that extra element of versatility to it, as well as the ability to stand up to some of these bigger power forwards and center that we don't have with his absence. So I I look forward to it. I also look forward to the combination of uh, Santi and Jaron playing together. I think that's going to be interesting, considering the fact that they both can stretch the floor playing, you know, stretch four and stretch five. You could actually uh, see a scenario where they could play uh, five out uh, with a lineup of ja, uh Bane, or, or Dylan or Zaire, and Jaren, and Santi. All, all of them have the uh, potential to play from the three-point line in, so that would be an interesting lineup. I wish we would have gotten an opportunity to see that, because I think that would be some fun basketball right there.
1: I agree with that. And it would be good to that's a small lineup, but you still have two guys that are basically seven foot in your front court, which I, I think that that would be pretty interesting to see. All right. We got Micah coming up. He's connected right now. Micah, welcome to the show. Uh, can you hear me? Bro, I can, hear, you, can you hear me. Can you talk? I don't know if my yeah, connection yeah, is strong. You. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Cool. Uh, what's your question? Cool, man.
3: First and foremost, I just want to say congratulations, man. I see everything. I see you growing out here. And, you know, obviously with ESPN and everything. So I just want to uh, give you your flowers first off. Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Of course. That. Man, uh, first thing, really, just a, like a few quick notes. I know, obviously, the uh, opener tomorrow versus the Knicks, I'll be there. Um, You know, I, I joined in on y'all talking about, obviously, Julius Randle. Uh, his presence is always so obvious when we play them. And also... Uh, RJ Barrett, which uh, my biggest thing is obviously with Jaron being out and trying to contain defense down low, uh, how do y'all think we match up against uh, Mitchell Robinson tomorrow? Because I know Mitchell Robinson has a tendency to have really good games versus us, usually does a really good job attacking the boards, and also usually kind of somehow manages to get his way down low. And also, uh, we obviously don't have Kyle, to kind of man, the perimeter D, with I mean, not that he was our first go-to, but with players like uh, Evan Fournier off the bench. For some reason, Evan Fournier has monster games against us a lot. I think I looked at the box. I was looking at box scores today. I think he had a game last year where he hit like eight or nine threes on us. Um, So obviously we were missing a few players. We don't have some of the same depth we had last year. We have young guys like Roddy and La Ravia that are having to fill some spots. So my question is, with the containment of Mitchell Robinson tomorrow and also players that can provide a spark off the bench like uh, Evan Fournier, how do you think that we plan to kind of attack that issue?
1: Well, with the Mitchell Robinson thing, I'll I'll start with saying uh, it's always good to have a guy like Steven Adams that is definitely going to be manning the paint really well. I don't think we're going to have to worry about Mitchell Robinson getting like a ton of offensive rebounds or anything like that with Steven Adams down there. Uh, I mean, Mitchell Robinson is also a great perimeter defender. So I think that – I mean, not perimeter. I mean, interior defender, sorry, uh, and a really good rim protector. So I think that could be – that could cause some problems with the Grizzlies who like to score in the paint a lot. Uh, but I think in terms of, like, rebounding and stuff, I think with Steven Adams will be all right. And then with Evan Fournier off the bench – I'm going to say that this year our best perimeter defender off the bench is probably going to have to be Zaire on most nights. Uh, he's shown the ability to be a good defender in the past. Uh, so I'm just going to – not sure if he's going to be playing. I know he had some wrist stuff and he was hurt uh, a little bit, and I think he was sick, uh, non-COVID illness. So it's not 100% sure if he's playing. But if he is playing, I would look for him to be that guy. And then another guy we just talked about, maybe Jake Laravia, if he isn't playing, uh, is definitely going to have to play some more minutes. And we've kind of seen that he can be somebody that even if he's not scoring on the offensive end, he can cause some problems on defense, whether it's getting steals and blocks and stuff like that, that leads to fast break offense for the Grizzlies. So those are the two guys I would kind of look for for that off the bench. For sure, yeah, I agree. I was kind of leaning towards the same kind of uh,
3: conclusion myself, but I just kind of want to have some fellow opinions as well. Also, to kind of touch base on what y'all are talking about, I definitely uh, I see an upside in both Roddy and LaRavia. I'm also super big on Junior. But uh, at this moment, I definitely have to say, I think Roddy's a little bit more NBA ready. Not that I don't think LaRavia possesses a skill set. I just think that there's something about Roddy's confidence that translates to the game better than LaRavia's does at this point.
1: Yeah, I got you. I got you. Harriet, uh, you can touch on that, uh, too, if you would like to.
2: All right. I think uh, Mitchell Robinson's presence affected us more on the defensive end. If you go back and look at the matchups against the Grizzlies, he was standing on the boxes, which on both sides of the lane, which kind of prevented John from getting into that patent floater that he was using uh, last year and, and a little bit at the end of the year before that. So I think if – just say if Santi is in the game, if Santi is matching up with him, of course, you know Santi might, might not be able to uh, totally overwhelm him physically or match up with him physically. But if Santi can pull Mitchell Robinson away from the basket, thereby creating more lanes for Ja to actually drive and create offense – from his office, then I think that'll be beneficial for the Grizzlies. But I totally agree with you. I think Mitchell Robinson was one of the reasons that the Grizzlies did struggle in the game in New York against the Knicks, but I don't foresee that happening uh, uh, tomorrow.
1: Mitchell Robinson's (laughs) cool
3: that was really it for me Uh, one last question that I'm going to leave on is obviously uh, I wouldn't even consider them rumors at this point honestly the uh, addition of Steven Adams three point shot do you think we're to see any Steven Adams or Santi both on the wing to try to see if they'll uh, bite on a Steven Adams or Santi perimeter shot and open some opportunities for John the or you think that's probably going to be later into the season after we see more ball before we see any uh uh wouldn't say lineups, but rotations involving, you know, maybe having Steven and or Santi both on the perimeter.
2: Man, I'm just going to say this. We really, Grizz Nation, Grizz Twitter, we really got to stop this Steven out of shooting a three deal. Like, what he does in practice is practice, in the words of AI. It's practice. He's not going to do it in a real game. We shouldn't expect him to do it in the real game. And if we need Steven Adams to shoot three-pointers, the, the Grizzlies are in trouble. Now, Santi Aldama, I'm all for him shooting three-pointers. What I want to see him do is them incorporate Santi in a way that uh, the hustle incorporates Santi. Start Santi on the block. Nine times. To- I'm to say eight times out of ten, because the league has gone small, Santi is going to have the height advantage over his opponent. He can use his footwork. He can use his vision to operate from both blocks. This is not something that I'm guessing. This is something that you saw develop over the last year or so in South Haven. Don't start him outside. And I know that's I know that's the main function of the Grizzlies offense, but he is better starting on the block, give him the ball, allow him to make those decisions so he can become comfortable, and then move him outside. That's just me. That's what I want to see. That's the way he's been more effective. Allow him to bring the ball up the court, make those decisions, use his judgment, use his vision. And move John Moran off the ball and allow John Morant's allow the attention that John Moran is going to attract to create offensive opportunities for not only himself, but for his teammates.
1: Yeah, so I, I'll agree with the Steven Adams uh, shooting threes thing. I don't. Yes. I, I think that it's not that he can't shoot them. Like, I, I have no doubt that I think that if you left him wide open and you left him out there, he could probably hit it. But I just think with the way that the offense has been run, they need him more to be on the interior and doing all the things that Steven Adams is known for, like clearing out space, getting offensive rebounds, uh, setting screens, which I think a a big thing, uh, reason why Jaws points went up so much last season is because he was coming off the screen from Steven Adams. And I think all all of that kind of stuff is the stuff that they're still going to need him to do. And probably need him to do even more of that, especially, and add in uh, some more rim protection and stuff to help out without Jaren as well. So it's it's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to need to see from Stephen Adams uh, in that game. But I don't, but I don't think that shooting threes is necessarily the most important, the most important part of what he does at all. Uh, but yeah, Santi, yes, definitely. I think he's going to shoot a lot of threes. I mean, we've seen him go four out of five in a preseason game, uh, and he played pretty well in the summer league and hit some threes there too uh but it's it's not to say that Steven Adams can't have the same impact on the game it's just that I don't think the Grizzlies necessarily need him to shoot uh threes and stuff like that all right uh next we got my guy Matt Gill he's also a writer here at SB Nation uh Matt how you doing today and what's your question for the pod
4: I'm good, Bryson. I appreciate you letting me hop on. I just wanted to jump on the Stephen Adams things as well, and you kind of touched on it, but, like, the thing that he's so good at is offensive rebounding. So, like, if he's 30 feet from the basket shooting threes, like, that is automatically going to make him less of a factor on the offensive board. So, like, I'm kind of with you. Like, it's a fun party trick if he wants to shoot one tonight to get the crowd into the game or something to just kind of show it off. But once you get into the postseason and and into these bigger regular season games when we need a win to move up a standings or whatever it may be like he has to be on the block doing the offensive rebounding setting screens like you said and passing out of the post and he just can't do that as well from outside the three-point line uh and then it seems like everybody wants to talk about santi and and i and i kind of want to ask you what your kind of thoughts are as well like I don't know. Before the Brandon Clark extension came out, like it kind of worried me. Like I was thinking, he may be gone off this team. Like if he could not fight for that uh, starting spot, if Santi just completely jumped him already to get into the starting lineup. So I kind of wondered, like, how do you kind of view that? As as Aldama kind of jumps into the starting lineup over Brandon Clark, does that signal to you that he, that they think? Aldama is a guy that can be a better long-term option for him and then the you know obviously the extension means that they believe in Brandon Clark to some extent and I think they got a really good deal for him but I, I don't know it just it gave me less confidence in Brandon Clark going forward if they think Aldama's already better than him or do you just see it as they really like his energy and stuff off the bench
1: I definitely see it more as they like his energy off the bench I, I don't think it's necessarily that. Santi Aldama is better than Brandon Clark. I just think that Brandon Clark is perfect for the role that he's in. And I think that's the reason why they went with Santi. Uh, and also, it's because you need more spacing in that in that first unit. I mean, obviously, you talk a little bit about we were talking about Stephen Adams shooting the three. You're still not really going to, like I said, you're not going to rely on him to be able to hit a three-pointer. That's not what you're going to rely on him for. So if you put Brandon Clark out there, that's now Two guys in the front court that you can't rely on to hit a three pointer. Jaws' three pointer is questionable at times. Dylan's three pointer is questionable, right? But Bo- both of them have hit them and missed them. They both shoot around 33, 34% from the, behind the arc. So then that would leave your only, like, the, the only consistent three point shooter really in that starting five would be Desmond Bain. And I think having Santi out there, you at least have another guy that you know can knock down open three-pointers, whether it's on a drive and kick or or, uh, in in any, really just in a bunch of different scenarios. Like, there's a lot of ways you can use him and get him open, and we've seen that in summer league. We've seen it in preseason and everything like that. Uh, Harry, you can touch on that, too, if you would like to as well.
2: I'm going to agree with you. I think one of the reasons why uh, Santi was moved into uh, the starting lineup versus Brandon Clark. Uh, Santi possesses versatility. And if you have listened to what the coaches have said, what the uh, GM has said, that they pride them- themselves on developing versatile players. Santi, uh, whether he's going to be the next whoever, he can pass, he can shoot it, his vision and his rebounding. Like he he is damn near a 5'2 player now. How good he actually becomes, that's yet to be determined. And the fact that he can play weak side defense, I think a lot of people coming into the season, they say, Oh Lord, we don't have Jaron. So what are we gonna do? But in short bursts of time, Santi has proven that he can he is a capable defender, he is able to rebound the ball. And he is able to initiate offense, and I think those are some of the things that kind of set him apart. Not that he's better than uh, Brandon by any means, like Bryson said, but he's more versatile and he provides, you know, more room for the offense to operate than Brandon Clark would at this particular
3: time.
4: Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that you guys are definitely right. I, I, I think Brandon Clark is still the better player, and and the spacing is obviously a big plus without Dama. And there's something to be said as well for Brandon Clark. Probably plays a little bit better in the second unit, especially when you get Tyus in the game. Them as a pick-and-roll combo is really deadly, and I, and I like him coming off the bench. Uh, as well I just I don't know it just struck me as weird in the offseason I I would have penciled him in um, before the preseason in in summer league as Brandon Clark was definitely going to be the starter in that spot Um, just a couple other quick things I wanted to touch on as well Um, I think uh, when you guys were talking about whose minutes are going to be affected once Aldama goes back to the bench like I think they like these rookies a lot. I think they play really well. We're going to see how much they're going to be playing in, in at the first couple games of the season. But I think once Aldama goes to the bench, I think that kind of leaves Tillman as the odd man out, to be honest with you. I think they're kind of uh, at, the, at the end of this uh, Xavier Tillman experiment. He hasn't really shown any big uh, jumps, in my opinion, in his game at all. He seems like the same player as when he came out of college. So I, I, I see him kind of being the odd man out of the big guy rotation, the front court rotation. Uh, once Aldama does go back to the bench, so that's something uh, I'm going to keep my eye on as well as see how much Tillman is really a part of this team, especially once we get into the postseason or if Aldama kind of absorbs all of his playing time as well. And then, uh, yeah, the rookies, I'm really excited to see what they look like, LaRavia and Roddy. The the things that I really like from them is that they look really good uh, in the transition game, both offensively and defensively. I think that's why Kleiman kind of targeted them. They know where to fill the gaps uh, in the transition offense, which is already – or obviously made the Grizzlies really successful over the past couple years with Josh, So I'll be watching uh, for that as well. But other than that, guys, like I'm just super excited for the season to get started. Bryson, you always do a really good job, man. So uh, thanks for letting me hop on.
1: Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Uh, and, and thank you for that. Uh, we're going to go next. Uh, we got Nicole. Nicole also works at SB Nation Grizzlies with us as well. as uh, She does a lot of good stuff working with the Saints as well. Uh, How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. And what do you want to talk about?
0: I am well, Bryson. Thank you for having me. Um, One rookie that I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about is Kennedy Chandler. And one thing that he's really impressed me with so far just by being on the Grizzlies you know, preseason and all of that good stuff is his ball hop attitude. He is constantly on the defense, on the opposite side of the court. And that is something that we need, considering the fact that Ja is not the best defender. It is okay to admit that. Every player has a weak point that they can improve on. Every player on every team at all NBA teams. So for Kennedy Chandler to come in, and he's he's already bumping chess with a few starters in the preseason, and he is playing lights out on defense. He's stealing balls. He's being aggressive. How do y'all feel about Kennedy?
1: Well, you know that I am always going to be a big Kennedy Chandler supporter uh, just because I got to watch him all last season at UT as well. Uh, and I, I really liked the way that he played. <laughs> I, I like the way he played in college. I like the way he played in the summer league. And I think it does start on the defensive end. That that was one thing. Uh, he, he was... He led – I know he led SEC freshman in steals last year and might have led the entire SEC. So that that was like the one thing is that he is a super great defender, even though he is short, even though he's undersized. He makes up for it with like that wingspan and kind of be able to poke the ball away and stuff like that. Uh, that was the big thing they always talked about uh, when he was at Tennessee. I think uh, Coach Rick Barnes used to say he had like a 6'7 wingspan but I think they measured it at, like, actually 6'5". I don't think it's actually that long. But, you know, they they gave him a little bit extra, I guess, uh, just because he's his coach and everything, trying to help him get drafted. Uh, but still, regardless, I, I think that even though I don't know how much playing time he's really going to get, we might see him play in some of the minutes that DeAnthony played, uh, maybe out there with Jair Tyus. I think that could be kind of a possibility. Uh, but – the other question is, do you trust having two short guards out there on the court at the same time, which that would be the big problem with having both of them together. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think he'll he'll be the – he's definitely going to be the third point guard. We'll see how many minutes he plays in the NBA. I think they're going to see him play for the hustle a little bit. Uh, not that he's going to be on the hustle the entire time, but maybe just to get some games in here there there. Uh, but it's really just going to determine – how he looks in practice, how Coach Jenkins feels about him. And we'll see throughout the season. I think he's one guy that could get more minutes as the season goes on if he keeps playing well. But I don't know if he's necessarily going to get a lot to start. Uh, But he's always going to be good, especially if somebody gets hurt. Like we saw last year, Ja missed some games here and there. If something like that happens, it's good to have him as the other backup point guard if something does happen.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He is... Like I said, he's just, like, phenomenal on the defensive side of the ball, which is something that the Grizzlies have kind of struggled with point guard-wise. So it's nice to have that third option that we know can do it. And I feel like once he gets more comfortable handling the ball, dishing out the offense, I think he could possibly be a little dangerous. But I'm also very proud of all four of our rookies because none of them went straight to the hustle. Even Vince Williams is on the main roster Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, and Kennedy Chandler. So, shout out to the rookies for not going straight to the G League. They all four made the big boy roster. Now it's time to see if they can do big boy things, which I think a few of them can. David Roddy included, Kenneth Lofton Jr. I'm so excited to see those two on the court in regular season. I feel like they're going to be bullying people. So, it's... It's it's, it's going to be exciting. I feel like we have honestly one of the best rookie classes from the draft. Climbing and Jenkins did it again.
1: Yes, thank you, Nicole. Uh, <laughs> and I, I appreciate you coming on too.
2: Nicole, you know I love you, right? But yes, Vince, Harriet, I know Vince, Vince Williams, aka All Day Every Day, he is going to be in South Haven. Uh, Baby Bag Buckets is going to be in South Haven. Uh, Kennedy Chandler, the big orange, he's going to be in South Haven. Out of all of the rookies that the Grizzlies acquired, I believe Kennedy Chandler is in the best uh, position of all of those rookies. Kennedy Chandler has an opportunity to go down to the minor leagues, learn the Grizzly system, and play behind two experienced guards, Tyus Jones and Jabari Rank. And him not being put under that type of pressure as a rookie, it's a, it's a good thing. Give him those two years to develop, you know, work on his three-point shot, learn the system, learn from Tyus, learn from job ja, and most importantly, give him an opportunity to play. He's only nineteen, maybe twenty years old. The more game experience he has, the better off it will be for the Grizzlies in the long run. Yes, you want him to be able to play with the big club, but you don't want him to go through an experience to where his confidence is affected. Give him an opportunity to go down there and play in peace, learn, and then he'll come back up and he's going to be the t- he's going to be a terror because. He is athletic. He can play defense. He damn near can play lockdown defense right now. He might be the Grizzlies' best uh, perimeter defender right now, you know. And give give him an opportunity to grow into the role that I believe that he's going to flourish in. And, and y'all know how I feel about Kennedy Chandler. I did not want the Grizzlies to draft another small point guard. So. I've come a I've come a long way or or at least until Harriet. I thought away. you were gonna
0: crucify me for asking yeah. about Kennedy. I was ready yeah. for my for my shillings. You know, I was yeah. ready for it. I was ready for the backlash.
2: No, no, no. no. You know, you, you have to you have to be honest, you know. He he deserves all the credit in the world, but he 'cause he looked like Poo Poo Kaka in that first uh uh summer league game. I'm not even gonna hold you, but he's got, you know, exponentially better.
5: Man,
1: see, this, I don't even know what you just said. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's why I love having young Harriet up here, though. That's why I love having young Harriet up here. Uh, we're going to go next. We're going to go with EJ. Uh, EJ is the host of our Grindhouse Spaces after every game and runs the Spaces Grizzlies page. Uh, EJ, how are you doing today? And uh, either what's your question or what do you think about the first game coming up? Uh, what's going on, y'all? Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, appreciate everybody following through for Bryson and, and Young all hear you. uh, Great content that y'all just dropped, for sure. Uh, Miss Nicole, yeah. Um, junior events and Kennedy, I mean, junior events for sure. I know it looked like they were on the roster, but they have the two-way beside them, so they will be in South Haven for sure. Um, but my question was, uh, a lot of questions has been with the uh, the steals and blocks department with uh, the loss of Melton and Kyle Anderson, and then uh, missing Jaren at the beginning. So uh, I know that we're not going to be able to replace that stat, like you know, be first in the league um, to start out at least without Jaren. So who do y'all think um, will help us out in that department the most uh, with the, the loss of Kyle and uh, Melton? especially in the uh the steals department. I'm, yeah. I'm go with
2: you go ahead Bryce go ahead.
1: No, no, you can go yeah, you go ahead and go first. It sounds like you you're ready to go.
2: Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm going to go with what I've seen so far in the preseason. It's been a collective effort. It's, it hasn't been just one person. It's been each one of them making a concerted effort to be active on the defensive end. Nobody's gonna replace uh the activity of D'Anthony Melton, and nobody's gonna be able to replace the intellect of uh slow-mo, you know. But you have to go with what we you have to go with what the Grizzlies have, you know. If you know Ja is gonna be in a passing lane, I'd rather it be Ja on the break than slow-mo. Did y'all not see Ja jump off one leg from the free throw line? Off of a steal? Come on now. You know, and you have to you have to give these young players some type of responsibility. If, if Jai is going to be our leader, the leader is the head of the snake, not the back. You know, we can't continue to lean on hiding Jai. Jai won't have to step up, and he's going to have to play defense. Bane's going to have to step up, and he's going to have to play defense. You know, Santi Adama, he is going to have to step up in the absence of Jared and play defense. You know, you can't can't just rely on, yes, we miss Melter. Well, some of y'all miss Melter. I don't. I ain't even going to lie like that. Uh, Yeah, I said it. Uh, You know, and slow-mo, he is what he is. Minnesota going to see when he starts hitting the side of the uh, rim. But, you know, like I said, I'm I'm going for the entire team, you know, to lead the league in steals because this is a team game after all.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a team effort, and it's not to say that like obviously De'Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson were big parts of the team last year, uh, but I do think with the guys they have, I think we're going to see a lot a lot more on defense from Zaire. I think he he could kind of because he he's tall enough, he has a long enough wingspan. Uh, and he's quick enough to where I think he could get into passing lanes a lot more than he did last season. And I think that's something that we could see because this second year he's coming back. He's going to come back better, uh, have more time to watch film, and just kind of get smarter as a player. That's the one thing about Zaire. I feel like he's a super smart person in general. Uh, And I think with basketball IQ, uh, he can definitely continue to develop that as he plays more in the NBA and everything like that. Uh, but so we got two more hands up. Those are going to be the last two. I'm going to try to see if we can close this out and keep it under an hour. Uh, so I'm gonna go with, uh, Mr. Everhart, uh, Jake coming up next. Jake, how you doing today? And, uh, what's your question or what's your comment about the first game?
6: What's up? What's going on with y'all? First off, I just want to say it's great to hear a lot of y'all's voices. Um, You know, I'm just excited for this season, man, just to get some great uh, basketball in with y'all. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just wanted to say one thing, and then I wanted to ask y'all one question. Um, Well, just regarding, like, the rookies, man, I really feel like, you know, I'm really confident in our rookies. I feel like kind of – I feel like, low-key, I'm, like, more of an optimist with our rookies this season than a lot of people. Uh, Cause especially like I feel like we have ex- we we've we've drafted like some rookies with experience, you know what I'm saying? Like more than uh, more than some, other, you know these guys like I, like somebody said earlier, like these ain't like 18, 19 year old guys, you know what I'm saying? I mean like Jake Laravia, Jake Luravia and David Roddy both had like what three three or four years in, in college themselves, so I think we should have a little a little bit of faith in our rookies, especially as they about to you know help us out on this roster. Uh, but yeah, the question that I had though was um, you know, like this season, I think we're gonna be really relying on, you know, a lot of good Dylan Brooks, you know what I'm saying? We don't need no, you know, checking up thirty shots a game, uh, seven for thirty Dylan Brooks no more. Cause like we do not need that. Um, especially and and like for me, like I'm president of Dylan Brooks Island, if anybody who knows me asks, bruh. And I just feel like, you know, after the injuries and everything, and, you know, now, like, the money piling up with everybody getting extensions and this and that, bro, like, you know, there's definitely, you know, several reasons why this is the season for Dylan. So, I just want to see, like, how y'all feel about, you know, like, what 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 are y'all's, like, minimum requirements for Dylan in order to, like, at the end of the year be able to say, yeah, this is a guy who we can extend for, you know, the foreseeable future?
1: Uh. For me, for Dylan, it starts with a shot selection. Not necessarily that I – that like, it's not always that he takes too many shots. Sometimes it is that he takes too many shots. But at at other times, it's that he takes shots that I don't want him to take, Where whether it's a contested shot or whether it's off balance or whether it's uh, like – there's just a lot of shots where it's kind of questionable. Or whether it's in transition, uh, like a transition three-pointer. I see him take a lot of those. I, wouldn't like, I, I would like to see him take a little bit less of those and kind of let Ja and Bane be the scorers. And then he can focus on defense mostly. Defense and maybe some catch-and-shoot opportunities. Because, I mean, if he's open, I'm, I'm not going to get mad at him for shooting open threes. Like, if he's open, I, 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 he can shoot it whenever he wants to. It's just like the step-backs that are contested and I'm going to dribble a couple times and then try to do a step-back in the mid-range. And then uh, I also – I like him driving to the basket. I would like to see him work on maybe, like, getting some drive and kickouts. Uh, but I feel like whenever he he puts the ball on the floor, he's much more efficient going to the basket than he is with his jumper at times. And I think even if you go back to – I know it was a couple years ago now to that Utah series where I think that was the best we've seen him play uh, off the dribble. And I think if he plays more like that, focusing on defense – uh, more stuff off the dribble and less shooting and kind of stuff like that. I think that he can still be good for the team.
2: I really do want to see him focus more on his mid range game. I think that's an element, you know, of this, of this offense that is missing. Frankly, I think he can provide that because he is big enough to get to where he wants to get on the floor. Uh, for me, uh Dylan lacks a bit of self-awareness on the floor because he seems to believe that all you have to do in order to contribute to winning is to score. He, we, But when you look at him and his impact on his team, it's his energy, it's his defense, it's his annoying personality that actually w- wins people over. Uh For me, I think one of the things that is going to help him is that the Grizzlies as an organization have tended to, within this particular uh, regime, you know, managing regime, they will allow you to play your way into a contract or they will allow you to play your way off the team. So he's going to get plenty of opportunity to do either or. And I fully expect him to uh, play up to his potential. And uh, as long as he uh, doesn't pay attention to the outside noise and what other people are talking about, I think he's going to be okay, or at least I'm hoping he is going to be okay.
6: Yeah, I agree with all of that that y'all were saying, and I'm just really excited to see him to, you know, have a little bit more of that self-awareness that you're talking about, Young Harriet, because we've seen flashes of, like, when he's, you know, been that more self-aware, you know, like, pass-first kind of guy on the court. And it's been great for the Grizzlies, but, you know, every time he gets that, you know, tunnel vision, like we like to see, like we don't like to see, you know, like bad things happen. So, you know, I would love to see him on the, on the team, you know, more, you know, and uh past this season. And I love the fact that, you know, he's that guy on our team that can really like bang with the, you know, those bigger, you know, combo guards and three, those threes and fours, you know, and sometimes fives as we saw with, uh with cat. Um So like, You know, at the end of the day, you know, I'd love to see DB um, flourish on our squad. So, you know, that's all I wanted to say. Hey, go Grizz, man.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you coming to the space and calling in for this episode. Uh, Next, we're going to have Jackson Law, who is also a writer with Vendetta uh, and does a lot of stuff for the Grizzlies and all types of NBA. He has a podcast as well, and I've gone on there. Uh, Jackson, how are you doing today? And what do you want to talk about before we kind of close this
5: out? Hey, uh, what's up, uh, everybody? What's up, Bryson? You guys hear me okay?
1: Yep, you're good, man. All
5: right. Uh, first, just want to say, uh, Bryson, young Harriet, uh, I've absolutely loved listening in uh, to this live podcast. You guys are uh, killing it. Uh, you know, it's fun to have listen to other Gris, uh, members of the Grizz fam come up and talk and participate uh, as well. So you know, look forward to uh, to hearing more of these, and it's it's great to listen to uh, while uh, while at the gym. So you know, uh, thanks thanks for getting me uh, getting me through my workout. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, but my uh, my question is, um, so if if history tells us anything, uh, we're probably going to have to deal with a stretch of injuries at some point. Like already, Jaron's going to miss start the start of the season with injuries. Uh, ja. Uh, probably going to have a time or two where he's going to have to miss some games and just just the just the grind of the season wears down uh, some players more uh, than others so there might be a stretch of a few games or uh, maybe a month or so where just players are kind of changing uh, in and out Uh, but with that in mind who do you guys think is the one guy that could benefit the most from the from like elevated playing time if there is uh some injuries even just not significant but just like minor injuries guys missing a game or two here and there that could pay dividends once the playoffs start to roll around and maybe kind of fight uh for a spot in a playoff rotation in a uh significant uh just a slightly elevated role as the season goes on well the
1: first the first person that I think of is going to be the start of the season. That's going to be uh, Santi Aldama. Like that, that's going to be the first one uh, that I think is, he, he's going to benefit from that maybe down the stretch as well. Uh, I think that because he's been a starter, I think it'll help him down the line when he's going back to the bench, when Darren gets back. Uh, I think it'll help him kind of find his role on the team a little bit more when he gets back to the bench and kind of see, Uh, where he can score just because I feel like he hasn't had a ton of minutes in the NBA overall. He's played mostly in the G league Uh, last year. He was one of those guys you're talking about where he did benefit from uh, some some of those injuries and stuff like that, or whether when uh, there was some COVID stuff that happened last year, which I do not expect that to be completely gone this year. There's definitely going to be some stuff like that. Maybe that still happens. I know we've already seen, I think, uh, I think there was a player that tested positive a couple days ago already. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen to the Grizzlies like it has in the past uh, or to any of the teams. But I think that's just something that we're going to have to deal with uh, going forward. That's still a thing that people are going to have to be dealing with uh, this season. Uh, so I think Santi Aldama and then I'll say maybe Kennedy. I know we talked about Kennedy Chandler just a little bit uh, just because we've seen every year job, ja, whether it's, Uh, Ankle or he sprained His knee last season a couple times Uh, He's missed where he's missed A couple weeks I don't think uh, Obviously you never hope to see anything uh, With him or Tyus or any of the other Guys but uh, if it's something Where it's only like a couple weeks Or if they're kind of load managing Near the end of the season I think you could see uh, Kennedy Chandler Kind of Step into a backup point guard role uh, For some of those nights and then I, I really just think like all of the rookies, like the rookies that we haven't been able to talk about would, if something like that happens. Uh, and also maybe Xavier Tillman. Uh, I think he he's one of the guys that is only probably going to play if there's some injuries. I think right now he looks to be out of the main rotation. Uh, but if there are some injuries, I think he's one of the guys that could step in. And even though uh, I feel like he hasn't necessarily progressed that much uh, since he's been in the league, I feel like he's still solid to throw out there if something does happen. He's he's not going to go out there and throw the game away. He's not going to go out there and have 25 and 10 either, but he's not just going to go out there and shoot a bunch of stupid shots and just completely throw the game away. He's a guy that you can rely on to at least go out there and play defense and get rebounds.
2: I'm going to go with Zion Williams. I think the more and more opportunity he gets to play, meaningful minutes, I think the better he will be for the Grizzlies in the long run. His ability to process the game is what sets him apart, in my opinion, from some on this team and some rookies in his own class. Uh, he has shown the ability to make shots in the mid-range, which the Grizzlies struggle with. He, he might have the uh, previous shot on the team, uh, to me, uh, he has shown the ability to play defense. He has shown the ability to rebound and go. He has shown the ability to um, face adverse circumstances and come back better from them. I think he uh, is going to benefit the most from increased playing time, uh, injury or not. And I believe he will flourish under the added responsibilities that he's going to be asked to asked to do, uh, This season, my other guy, I'm going with my, I'm going with my brother, or grind. I want to see baby back buckets in the NBA, man. It's it's time, you know. It's time to release him to the wolves. I cannot wait until he gets in in some uh, garbage time and put somebody up under the basket. That's really Grizz Twitter gonna explode, doggone it! I can't wait. him, you know, his footwork, his agility for a man that's 275 pounds, we haven't seen that ever here, not even with Zebo. His ability to uh, take, you know, instruction and be willing to be disciplined enough to even, you know, want to play in South Haven and get better, that shows me right there that he got a little bit of dog in him and he doesn't feel entitled to a spot. He's willing to work for it. And I'm just looking forward to seeing him continue to grow. Remember, he's only 19 himself, so he's not a finished product. And he's also left-handed. And if y'all know basketball, y'all know what them left-handed hoopers mean. It's straight cash, straight buckets. So I I think it's going to be a good season for for the both of them, you know, Zaire with the main uh, club and, um, you know, baby back buckets with the uh, hustle. As long as they don't put him in a damn puppy jersey, that's ridiculous. Bryson, you got poor. You need to say something about that.
1: Not the puppy jersey. Okay, I got you. Uh, But with that, it's been an hour, and that's kind of like the limit that I can do these. We're definitely going to do another one at some point soon uh, and maybe even get some more Grist talk just on Spaces uh, later tonight or maybe tomorrow before the game. Uh, So we'll definitely get with that and follow the uh, Spaces Grizzlies account as well for more of that. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to everybody that listened to the space and everybody that's going to be listening to this, uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcasts or anything like that. Uh, Be sure to follow young Harriet. Her Twitter at is at Allie D 81. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast this week and kind of allowing us to do something a little bit different with having people on spaces as well. Uh, And everybody that came up and asked questions and had some really good insight. I appreciate everybody uh, making this really the best that I could have hoped for it to be uh, for the first time doing it like this and looking like we're going to be doing it like this, at least a couple more times before the end of the season. Uh, So yeah, just be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the grizzly bear blues podcast network as well. Uh, And I'll see you guys on the next one.